You know, when we were first uh, planning this series, I got to admit, there was part of me that wondered whether this message was even necessary. I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, now that I know that you're giving you're this message, we're wondering whether it's even necessary. I know that. No offense taken. <laughs> but seriously, I, I, I thought about the first two weeks and what they were meant to communicate and, and felt like, you know, this third week might be kind of redundant because everything that's relevant to know is packed into those first two weeks. I mean, think about it. You know, week one in this Hope Live series that we're doing this year called Everyday Deeds uh, was very significant, at least from my perspective. Our, our action pastor, Nate Dirks, uh, kind of walked us through the vision of how God intends to change the world. And it might have surprised some of us to know that it's, it's not necessarily through, you know, large-scale, global, grand initiatives, but rather, as Tolkien has so aptly put it, it's the small, everyday deeds of ordinary people that keep the darkness at bay. The small, everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keep the darkness at bay. And he walked through the life and teaching and invitation of Jesus to say, that's what Jesus invites ordinary people into, into that way of life to live out small everyday deeds in our lives. And uh, then for those of us who, you know, maybe kind of wrestle with some, you know, insecurity or uncertainty because of our ordinariness, uh, Mike Krause, our teaching pastor last week, walked us through this story of Gideon. To, to show us how God, in fact, uses very ordinary people, even literally idiots, any old idiot, again, no offense taken, uh, to, to change the world and to live out his purposes and plans for it. And, and, you know, for those of us who wondered if we could be included in this, Mike inspired us by saying, yeah, this includes everybody because it's the everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keep the darkness at bay. And so as I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking like, if we understand Jesus' vision, and we understand that that can include us, what else do we have to know? And you know, maybe this morning's uh, message is kind of redundant or, or unnecessary until, until I started to ask myself a very uncomfortable question. And it went something like this. <laughs> is knowing those two ideas what stops me from living my life with everyday deeds defining it to a greater degree? Are those two pieces of information, the vision that Jesus invites us into and the fact that it can include all of us, even ordinary people like you and me, is that what's stopping me from living my life to a greater degree, blossoming and defining itself by ordinary deeds, moment by moment, day after day? Or is there something else? that might be getting in the way. And that's, gang, what we're here to talk about today. The, the something else that gets in the way or makes us stuck from just talking about this idea to actually doing it. As someone once said, when all's been said and done, a lot more's been said than done. This morning's about what it takes to get her done and to actually start to live this way of life out. And so we're going to try to be, uh, you know, acutely practical today. If you're taking notes, I want to provide you with four action steps to begin to live this way of life of everyday deeds by ordinary folk out in your life. And so you're taking notes. You can write the first one down right now. The first one is simply this, to pray, to pray. You want to be a person who lives this out? Start off 
by praying. And you might think, okay, you know, I understand that because I need to figure out from God, you know, what kind of ordinary deeds he wants me to do. That's part of it. The the bigger part of it, though, is to ensure that God is actually able to shine his light in a way that keeps that darkness at bay through your ordinary deeds. Here's what I mean. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says this, that God made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure, this treasure of the light of God in jars of clay, meaning in our ordinary lives, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. That's how God wants to work. We've said many times that a life with God is not about things that we do for God. Rather, it's about things that God wants to do for us and what God wants to do in us and ultimately through us. The Christian life, we've said many times, is the life of Jesus Christ lived in and through ordinary people like you and me when we let him because of the reality of the the power and the presence of his risen living spirit within us when we've chosen to follow him. That's the beauty of the Christian life. The the trick, though, is to be able to access it. And so when we're talking about ordinary deeds uh, or everyday deeds by ordinary folk that keep the darkness at bay, the only way we keep the darkness at bay is through allowing the light of God to shine through. And so to allow the light of God to shine through, we've got to first permit it, and then we've got to rely on God to provide it. And that's what prayer does. Prayer permits God to do his thing and relies on him to provide his thing instead of just going through life trying to do ordinary deeds ourselves. What prayer does is allows the light of God and ensures that in our everyday deeds of ordinary folk, we're actually allowing God and his power to shine his light through us. So first things first, you want to be a person who lives this way? Commit to pray. Pray all the time. Pray, you know, in different moments throughout the day, in the morning, throughout your day, in the evenings. But, you know, pray specifically for the people that God might want to touch through your life. Pray for the people that you work with. Pray for your classmates who are right beside you throughout the day. You know, pray for your teammates that you play sports with. Pray for your neighbors that you live with your family members, your friends, those that you rub shoulders with, your clients, whatever, you know, during the day. Pray consistently so that God doesn't just lead you to discover the ways in which you can let his light shine, but actually rely on him to allow him to do that through those everyday deeds by ordinary folks. Step number one, quite simply, is to pray. Step number two, if you're keeping notes, is to see Now, once you're in relationship with people, God's giving you a sensitivity to their needs to to actually see, to to notice what is going on in their lives. This is kind of core to what uh, Mayor Mayor Sensick's vision of a compassionate city is all about. He's been on this journey the last number of years uh, in St. Catharines for us to become a compassionate city, if not a compassionate region. And what he was hoping to do was to get every city staff to develop and ultimately every citizen to develop, he calls it this lens, this perspective, because he wants people to see poverty and to see people and to see need differently. 
Because when it comes to being these light shining people in a light shining community, there's an aspect where seeing is relieving. Before we do that, though, I think that the more practical step that we need to take if we're going to be people who see is to be people who stop trying to focus exclusively on ourselves. Because we can get so preoccupied, and I think in my own life, what gets me stuck uh, a lot of the times is just the busyness of kind of advancing your own cause and agenda and everything that you're trying to move forward, you know, in your own world. You know, people have, you know, kids to drop off and to take to all kinds of different activities or homework to do or overtime to put in so that we can advance our future and resume and, and status and whatnot and, and security. And, you know, we've got all kinds of errands to run and, and things to do and you know, work to do in our own homes. And it, it just gets kind of you know, overwhelming in our own world, in our own orbit, around our own lives, with our own friends, that we just get preoccupied with ourselves and we don't have the space to actually notice what's going on in the people, let alone in the needs of the lives around us. And so we need a bit of a perspective shift described here in Philippians chapter 2. It says there, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing to advance your own cause. Rather, it says, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And the passage goes on to describe the way that he lived in a consistently others orientation paying attention to other people, you know, finding out where they're at, what's going on in their world, and, you know, what their needs might be and how he could step in and meet them. Jesus had an others-oriented perspective, and it's only when we adopt an others-oriented perspective that we're going to be able to actually see and notice the kinds of needs that God might want to bring his light shining to as we engage in a way of life of everyday deeds by ordinary folk. And so, you know, as you're praying throughout the day in these different circles that you travel in, you know, try to notice. Tr try to move beyond yourself and notice in your lunchroom. Notice in your cafeteria. You know, notice in the locker room with the people that you're working out or, or playing sports with. Try to notice at the mailbox on your street or at the bus stop when you're dropping your kids off or in the schoolyard when you're picking up your kids. Try to notice the needs around you. Try to notice the people around you and try to engage in relationship with them and in conversation that's more about them than about yourself. Because it's only when we can orient around the other that we can actually notice and see the needs around us that God might want us to meet. You got to pray first. And then number two, you got to see. Number three, if you're taking notes, you've got to act. And by act, I don't just mean do. Obviously, that's what we're talking about and engaging a way of life of everyday deeds by ordinary folk. But when I, when I talk about act, what I mean is act as opposed to react. Act as opposed to react, to be the kind of people that engage in lives of everyday deeds as ordinary folk. We've got to take upon ourselves the burden of responsibility to be the need meter and not depend on someone else to guide and to help us to do that. Look at what Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 5. He says there, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, he says, they put it on its stand. 
And it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What Jesus is describing here is the reality that light doesn't just become shining on its own. It actually requires someone to position the light in a certain way that it can be revealed to others. And in a sense, there's a responsibility on the perspective light shiner for the positioning of that light. There's a responsibility on you and I if we're going to be the kind of people that live light shining lives. And I think that's true in our relationships with people who have needs that we're going to meet. I don't know about you, but uh, I've often used the phrase probably too, too frequently when I when I actually get to the place where I'm paying enough attention to someone else discovering what it is that's going on in their world where they're struggling and you know what they're what they're really hurting for or what, what they would need you know I'll make this kind of comment I don't know if you ever said this but I, I say it all too often hey uh, you know if I can help in any way just let me know you ever said that hey if there's something I can do you know drop me a line hey let me know if I can help you ever said that I say that far too often, and, and, and it's probably the worst thing you can say if you're going to be a person who lives out everyday deeds by ordinary folk. Because what it does is it transfers the burden of responsibility for meeting the need on the person in need. You know, it's like taking a, a drowning person and saying, okay, I see that you're struggling here. I'm just going to catch some rays, and if you could let me know if you really need my help, that'd be great. Meanwhile, they're drowning. Like it's not fair. It's not right. It doesn't, it doesn't work. That's not how needs get met. We actually, if we're going to be the kind of individual people that are active in meeting the needs of the people that we rub shoulders with, we've not only got to see those needs, we've got to take responsibility to meet them ourselves. We've got to take the initiative to act instead of waiting to react. And I know that there's going to be some of you out there, because I do this often, and say, what if I don't know what to do? What if I don't know how to act? You know, what if I don't know what would, what would meet their need exactly? Figure it out. Try something. Give it a shot. A at least take a crack at it. You know, send a note. Shoot them a text. Drop off flowers. You know, drop a, an, on an anonymous envelope of cash at the... They need a, a, a financial support of some sort. Give them a ride. You know, make them a meal. Offer them childcare. Give them your company. Take them out for coffee. Just spend time and listen. Go and visit. On and on and on. It's not rocket science. Just do something. Try. But take the responsibility of considering what it is that might be helpful to them. And the initiative to go and do that. Take that responsibility yourself. Instead of waiting for them to guide you in how you could react to meeting their need. Step number one is to pray. Step number two is to see. Step number three is to act. Step number four is probably the most practical at all of all. And that is just to press repeat. Pray, see, act, then just repeat. That's the difference between a deed and deeds, plural. That's what separates random acts of kindness from a lifestyle of everyday deeds by ordinary folk. It's the consistent repetition of the act of meeting other people's needs. And as a person who for a number of years has been involved in 
the sport of long distance running. I feel like there's no better way to explain this than to describe how a life of faith is compared biblically to running a race. In, for example, Hebrews chapter 12, where it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. You know, faith is compared to running a race. And what is running? Other than a friend of mine who said running is something that people do who hate themselves. <laughs> Outside of that opinion, I suppose, ask yourself, like, what is running? Running is just repeating the very same motion again and again and again. Step after step after step after step. That's the difference between one step and a whole race. And that's the difference between one deed, you know, one prayer that allows us one opportunity to see and one uh, opportunity and responsibility to act, to meet one need once, and a lifestyle that we are building step after step after step after step that becomes a way of life of everyday deeds of ordinary folk. That's the difference between you know, a one-off random act of kindness and a way of life. It's the consistency. What makes everyday deeds everyday deeds is that they happen every day. Every single day, day after day. And what makes them deeds is that there's more than one of them. There's multiple. They repeat. They consistently develop and build on each other. And for me personally, I think that this is the most powerful action step because when we engage in a lifestyle of consistent, repetitive, everyday deeds, that's when we begin to form relationship with the people with whom we're meeting the needs. It's one thing to just serve someone once. It's another thing to offer help and support in a way that cultivates relationship and ultimately friendship. And time and time again around our church for the last number of years, we've discovered that it's actually the friendship that makes the difference. It's the friendship that really allows God's light to shine in and through all of us and to see him work spectacularly. Gang, if you're in a place where you already know and understand Jesus' vision for how to change the world. Now, not on a grandiose scale, but through the everyday deeds of ordinary folk. And if you understand that that invitation includes very ordinary folk like you and like me, but are still feeling stuck in some way to actually live this out, I hope that this is helpful for you today. I hope that this can be a necessary contribution to your journey. That you can take practical steps to pray and to see, and to act, and to repeat. In fact, just so we can embed this in our psyche, just so that we can remember this when we're home at lunch this morning, I want to invite all of us from across all of our locations to stand. Okay, we're not closing with a song yet, but just stand. I invite you to stand at all, across all of our locations. And we're going to do a little exercise here as kind of a memory tool, Okay. So what I want us to do is we're going to walk through these four stages. And what we're going to do on the count of three is we're going to shout the first stage out loud, the pray, and then we're going to clap. And then we're going to shout the second stage out loud, see, and then we're going to clap. And then we're going to shout the third stage out loud, act, and then we're going to clap. And then we're going to shout the fourth stage out loud, repeat. And then we're going to clap, okay? Are you with me? We're going to do this across all of our locations. Don't get weirded out by the person beside you. They're going to do it too, okay? We're all going to do this together. We're going to shout it out. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Pray. See. Act. 
repeat. Let's do it again. Pray, see, act, repeat. Louder this time. Pray, see, act, repeat. A little quicker. Pray, see, act, repeat. Pray, see, act, repeat. Pray, see, act, repeat. Woo! Okay, now give yourselves a round of applause. That was very good. Hopefully that wasn't too weird. You can grab a seat, although I must say that was probably somewhat weird if you were participating online this morning. I have this vision of someone in their pajamas who got off their couch to actually engage with us in doing this. And there's probably a person behind you watching you thinking that you're like a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs or something. And uh, they're wondering, like, what are you into? And I, I know that this is sort of what we mean when we say that we gather together because when we assemble together, God's able to do things that you just kind of you just kind of can't experience alone. So hopefully we see you out live in one of our locations sometime soon. But, uh, you know, getting serious for a moment, that's really, that's really all it takes to get us out of the rut of inactivity, even when we know the vision of Jesus and know that that invitation includes us. If you want to get unstuck, you want to get out of the rut and actually become one of these light shining people in our society who's engaging a lifestyle of everyday deeds by ordinary folk, engage in those four practical steps. Pray, see, act, and repeat. Now, for those of you who think we're done and want to go Christmas shopping, uh, I, I just have a couple more comments because I need to make a few disclaimers about this. I need to make a few disclaimers. And I don't want these disclaimers to muddy the waters. I hope that these disclaimers actually will help provide some additional clarity. Disclaimer number one uh, goes something like this. Uh, I want us to appreciate that while there's tremendous power in everyday deeds, I want us to appreciate that everyday deeds are not everything. Okay? Everyday deeds are not everything. They, they, they matter, but they're not everything. We say a lot around here that God is actually less concerned with what we do and more concerned with who we are. And another thing we say around here a lot is that there's a difference between a relationship with God and more importantly, a relationship with God that translates in how we relate to other people, which is what faith is, versus religion, which is just doing a few things and checking off a few boxes to try to make God happy. There's a difference between a relationship with God and religion. And that matters, that matters when it comes to living light, shining, God-expressing lives through our lifestyles of everyday deeds. Look at what it says in Proverbs 13. It says, the light of the righteous shines brightly, but the lamp of the wicked is snuffed out. The light of the righteous shines brightly, but the lamp of the wicked is snuffed out. There's a kind of person, the Bible calls him the wicked person. There's a, there's a kind of person who, excuse me, who fundamentally sabotages their capacity to be a light shining person, no matter what they actually do. And uh, I don't know about you, but I I've run into people, you know, over the years who, <clears throat> you know, for example, uh, uh, friends who have kids on, on sports teams or they you know, hockey parents who they engage in everyday deeds from time to time, if not with a great de degree of regularity. 
But they also engage in constantly criticizing and berating the coach and yelling and swearing at the refs. And, and it kind of it nullifies the, the brightness of their, of their light. You know, we've got friends of our kids that we know, you know, through activities or through, or through school who are, are very generous, you know, especially at times like, you know, the Christmas season, but are also, you know, very prejudiced towards a number of people groups and use, you know, kind of berating discriminatory language towards them. And as they talk, it kind of, it kind of nullifies the, the, the degree of light that they can really shine or that exudes from them. You know, we'll have friends or neighbors who are involved in very charitable activity, but are also, you know, engaged maybe in shady business or, uh, you know, they're gossipy backstabbers or, you know, they have these character dynamics that fundamentally stifle them from being light shining people because who you are actually matters more than what you do. So, you know, long story short, don't sabotage your commitment to getting, you know, into the game of a lifestyle of everyday deeds by ordinary folk by who you are as a person. Don't let your character sabotage the brightness of the light that you can shine, or more importantly, that God can shine through these everyday deeds, okay? Disclaimer number two goes something like this. I don't want anyone to assume that when we're talking about a lifestyle of everyday deeds by ordinary folk, that all we mean are the activities that we formerly part- that we formerly participate in as a church community. You know, our church community is very unique in that we're organized around these focused initiatives of compassion and justice in each of our Southridge locations across Niagara that we call Anchor Causes. And they give us a great opportunity to collectively allow the light of God to shine in dark places all across Niagara. And they're very important to us as a church. But they're not the only way that you and I can live lives of everyday deeds by ordinary folk. In fact, as amazing as as these anchor cause initiatives are, they don't really bring life, uh, bring light into schoolyards and classrooms and office places and neighborhoods and all the places where, you know, many of us work and rest and play and all the places in our ordinary lives. It actually takes more than just participating together as a church. It takes individual lives in the individual people that we're given the opportunity to rub shoulders with to pray and see and act and repeat with them. So don't feel like what you're doing in your individual kind of private life doesn't count, so to speak. First of all, no one's counting. But it's not just the stuff that we do as a church that gives God the opportunity to shine his life and his light through you. At the end of the day, it's not just these anchor causes that matter to us. It's the, it's the way of life that we live. And we're not just inviting people to participate in our anchor causes, although we do all the time, and especially in our Hope Live series, we want everyone to participate in these because we think they're amazing and they're great opportunities for us to let the light of God shine together as a community. More importantly today, and more importantly through this series, though, we're asking for individual people in our individual lives, you know, in the individual dynamics of how we spend our days to make a choice of the way of life that we're really going to live and to consider whether we can make the shift to engage in an ongoing lifestyle defined by everyday deeds by ordinary life.
folk. You got to know that that choice does not happen automatically. In fact, there are all kinds of examples of people who in Jesus' day were very close to Jesus and couldn't make that shift, couldn't ultimately make that choice. Now, there's one example that a number of the biographical accounts of Jesus refers to. They call him the rich young ruler. Rich in the sense that he had financial resources. Young in the sense that, you know, he had health and vitality. And a ruler in the sense that he had influence. And I say that because in our day and age, you know, who has financial capacity, health and vitality and uh, influence? An awful lot of us, especially in North America. An awful lot of us could, could relate to that kind of person. And as the story goes, this rich young ruler approached Jesus and wanted to kind of be a Jesus person. And it actually made some commitments in their life to, to do that sort of thing. But Jesus looked at them and said, hey, one thing you lack, go and sell all your possessions and give them to the poor and then come follow me. And he said that because he wanted to see this person make a shift in the pattern and habits and rhythms of their life to be willing to become a drastically different kind of person. And it says, among other accounts of this in Mark chapter 10 it says at this meaning at that news that Jesus gave him at that challenge at this the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth at the end of the day that guy wasn't willing to change his life in the kind of drastic ways that it would require to become a need meter to become an everyday deeds by ordinary folk kind of follower of Jesus Contrast that with a number of other people who decided to do that. Mike talked about them last week, the early followers of Jesus during and then ultimately after his life on earth. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 2. It says, all the believers there sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, contrast that behavior and those decisions you know, giving it all up and engaging in a drastically different way of life that they were willing to do compared to what this rich young ruler was unwilling to do. And what you realize is that it's all about a choice. It's about a choice to be willing to change your life, a choice to be willing to do something, to become something, to engage in something that God is envisioning and Jesus is inviting us into. And the truth is that, you know, even societal somebodies who choose to engage in nothing, who choose to do nothing, they become spiritual nobodies. But societal nobodies who make the choice and are willing to engage in something, to do something, well, they become spiritual somebodies because they give God a shot to let his light shine through them. I've been thinking a lot about this idea of shining light and... Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about these little guys. I'm sure a number of us have seen these over the course of the last number of weeks. I've got a, a clear one and then a, a colored one here. You know, these are Christmas lights. You can't see them that closely. And uh, there's nothing really terribly spectacular about them. In fact, individually, they, they really don't look like much. They just kind of sit there. But we all know that the power of these things is when you ultimately string them together. Right? When you wrap them around something like this and all of a sudden you string them together and when you string them together, they form something beautiful. And I've been wondering this Christmas if for the next couple weeks as we run into these kinds of things, whether we could kind of consider this a little bit of a metaphor for the life that God is inviting us into and ask ourselves every time we see one of these, 
what kind of life do we really want to live? You know, do we really want to live a life of no light? Kind of a dark and dreary, you know, just status quo kind of life? Or do we want to get on board this invitation of Jesus together with others to engage in a way of life of ordinary deeds by everyday folk to allow his light to shine through us and to paint a picture of something beautiful to the people that we rub shoulders with? What kind of life do you and I want to live this year? On top of that, I want us to consider what happens when lives like this unite with other lives. And so, you know, I don't know if you go and visit the Festival of Lights in the Falls or whether your neighborhood is lit up or you live on Rio Lane in St. Catharines or someplace where it's all lit up. If you don't, but you occasionally see this sort of thing, I want you to consider some images that we're just going to kind of scroll through for a moment or two here of what happens and what it looks like when you string these lights around not just one tree or one item, but all over the place. And I want you to kind of ask yourself whether enough of us, if we were to live these kinds of lives, if we were to choose to do something and engage in this way of life, if enough of us really could keep the darkness at bay, even in this place called Niagara where we live. As these images are scrolling and you're considering the power of just these little Christmas lights, consider, you know, could the darkness of loneliness and isolation and depression actually get pushed back by ordinary people like us? Could the darkness of, you know, anxiety and stress and worry and fear in people actually be pushed back by ordinary people like you and me? Could the darkness of practical things like, you know, malnourishment, hunger, and thirst actually be pushed back? Could the darkness of adverse circumstances, job loss, financial crisis, homelessness, actually be pushed back? Could the, could the darkness of, you know, health challenges, medical issues, you know, aging and isolation, those kinds of things, actually be pushed back in our day and age, in such a time and place, as this, could the darkness be kept at bay through ordinary people like you and me? I think as you look at those images, you realize, you know what? Yes, it could. Yes, it could. Even though these little things seem unspectacular, when you string them together, they form something beautiful. And when you unify these something beautifuls all together, it creates something incredible where the light can really shine and keep the darkness at bay. All it takes is for you and I to be willing to do something, to send a text, to write a card, to give someone encouragement or a pat on the back, to send flowers, to offer cash, to offer childcare, make a meal, take someone out for coffee, do odd jobs, rake their leaves, shovel their driveway, you know, sponsor a child, write them a letter again and again and again. That's the adventure is just figuring it out for ourselves. But that's the way God wants to work. It's the way he wants to change the world. It's the adventure that he invites us into. And I'm wondering as we wrap this series up, you know, whether as we think about the idea that it is the small everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keep the darkness at bay. I wonder, gang, whether you and I really believe that. 
And then more importantly, I wonder whether you and I are willing to engage in that way of life together with other people who really do. Let's pray. God in heaven, our prayer today is real simple. We just want to be those people. We understand your vision. We understand that it includes us. But we get stuck. We get stuck to make that shift. We get stuck to, to get in that game. We get stuck to, to do something. And I pray this morning that you would get us unstuck. Whether it's through relying on you to a greater degree through prayer or focusing instead of on ourselves, on other people, through seeing. Whether it's through moving past, just waiting to react to, to acting and taking responsibility for initiative or doing it again and again in a repetitive way. God, make us the kind of people whose lives can be defined by a way of life of everyday deeds by ordinary folk. And God, as you shine your light through us individually, unite us together to powerfully reveal the love and light of your life to make your presence known to an aching world here in Niagara and around the world who desperately longs to come into contact with you. Do that through us, God. And as you do, I pray that we would be quick to give you the credit and the glory as we celebrate the deeds that you want to do through ordinary people like us. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, my name is Addison. My name is Raymond. My name is Brenda. My name is Dave. And my name is Debbie. And our everyday deed is celebrating Christmas morning with new and old friends from the community who otherwise would have no place to go. Is having a lemonade stand every summer for my brother and sister in Ecuador. And my everyday deed is being a big sister to Jade. And my everyday deed is giving blood as regularly as I can. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I was talking in the cafe and I think Karen overheard me, the organizer of the Caribbean Worker Program. For the drivers, she heard me made some reference that I, I don't have a real job and uh, I'm available a lot through the day. And so she started to ask if I'd be interested and I said sure. And so she started driving the fellas to their appointments as they needed them. I was six when he came to work here. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> you know Ontario, right? we know Ontario. No, I, I, I don't get to know Ontario. All I know about Ontario is, is a farm. The gracious part and the good part are still in. Uh, I drive a lot of different fellas and some of them are just very different personalities. No different than anywhere else. You get some guys that are easier to talk to and Roland was naturally curious about Niagara and my family. Tina and Joe, um, we, have, we have built this friendship. It's like a partnership. Uh, I tell him one day I want to go home and, and, and have lunch with his mother's family and we sit and chat so we get to know not only Andrew but to know the other side of the family that make him so special the person who he is. These things keep our mind off home. So we don't have to worry about... Feel more comfortable. Yeah, because at, at least somebody's there who, who... check for us like our family, so they, they make us feel at home. Yeah. Our, our arms are stretched open wide. Our hearts are just as wide as our arms. So we welcome whosoever is willing. 
words for whoever wanna come aboard. Come see and taste, or you're missing a lot. Come see and taste, or you're missing a lot. Missing a lot. I'm just really grateful to Nolan that, that somebody who I had no idea existed, and he didn't know I existed before, we could get into a vehicle, and uh, our only commonality was a church and, and a Christian foundation, and that brought us together. My name is Andrew, and my everyday deed is driving our Caribbean worker friends wherever they need to go. <laughs>